Welcome to TAP Storytellers. I'm Abby Pato Bay. We're here to talk about TAB and our education pedagogy, methodology, uh, structure for teaching. Um, TAB is teaching for artistic behavior, where the child is the artist, the classroom is the studio, and we explore and ask what do what do what do artists do? <laughs> Let me say that one again. And we explore what do artists do. And I'm here with my co-host. Hi everybody, it's Jen Ferrari. Thank you so much for joining us for TAB Storytellers. This podcast was established to promote dialogue among art teachers who seek best practices in contemporary art education and to advocate for TAB pedagogy and practice. This podcast, which we lovingly refer to as a TABcast, is published once a month and is a place to share our TAB stories with one another. These stories can come from TAB educators, administrators, community members, researchers, and many, many more sources. From how we found TAB to implementation in the classroom, to advocacy for your program, to dispelling myths about TAB practice, we cover it all. So for more information, you can navigate after this TABcast to teachingforartisticbehavior.org. There you'll find information, inspiration, and incredibly helpful items such as teacher-created resources and access to an online community of TAB educators called Mighty Networks. All right, so I'm very excited to uh, welcome this our next guest to tonight's show. Um, it is Melissa Perti, who is one of the, um, or maybe the art teacher at Apex High School in North Carolina and also the co-director of the TAB Institute, which occurs every summer in Boston, Massachusetts. So uh, welcome to the uh, to the episode, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you guys tonight. So we were we always start out just by having our guests tell us just a little bit about um, you and your current position. And yeah, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I, I do teach at Apex High School. I teach as part of a four-person department, and I currently teach beginning art. I teach art three honors. I teach AP art history, and I teach a class called Studio, which I wrote the curriculum for and had it approved at our district, which is entirely choice-based. Um, the rest of our courses have, or the rest of the courses I teach and, and everybody else have, um, varying amounts of choice. So I, I work at Apex High School with a great department and, um, and teach those courses. And I also am the co-director of the TAB Institute at MassArt. I do that as well. Just kind of connected to that, you mentioned that, you know, um, I, I forget if it was your district that was choice-based or if it was your um, department, like your high school department that is choice-based, but what is your TAB story? How did you find it? How did you get involved? What brought you here? Um, so I just want to clarify, it's um, my studio course that is completely choice-based. Um, okay. My department has varying levels of, of choice influence, but I'm the only TAB teacher. Um, and my district has a fair amount of TAB teachers, um, a couple at the elementary level, um, some at middle school and, and a couple at high school. Um, well, I started out my career teaching elementary art and about three years in, I, I stumbled upon TAB and I thought it sounded absolutely ridiculous. And I kept coming back to it though. Um, I honestly, I taught at a school that had a 95% free and reduced lunch rate, um, struggled with, with test scores that were well below the, um, the county, county average. And I honestly thought, um, and this is a big problem, I think, in education and really, really 
not the um, not the thinking that that moves change, but I really thought my students wouldn't be able to handle it, um, and I was completely wrong, as I'll get to in a minute. Um, so I noticed myself introducing more and more choice, and <clears throat> I um, my fifth year of teaching, I was getting ready to move to a new school, and my one of my fifth grade classes um, achieved a behavior incentive I had. They earned each letter in the word awesome. And what I did when classes earned all those letters is I let them pick what they wanted to do for the last class. Not like individually, but like the class could pick, like we're gonna use clay or, um, it was right near the end of the year. And um, so there wouldn't be any opportunities to earn awesome. And this class had been working at it for a long time. It was a class of like, I wanna say like 27. So a big fifth grade class plus, um, I think five behavioral and emotionally, um, disabled kids are, are, um, designation in, in North Carolina at the time came to specials with, with this class. So it was a really big group and, um, we voted and it was like a five-way tie. And so, so I just said, okay, we're going to do it all. And then they left and I was like, what did I do? Um, but, but we, we did it all. I, I set up um, I set up a, like a, a found object sculpture center with like cardboard and recyclable materials. I had some oil pastels out. I had some origami sized paper to fold and cut. I had um, a couple different drawing materials and I was really, I was really terrified that this would just be a mess. Um, and I do want to say that I had known these kids for a long time and had a lot of, um, a lot of behavioral supports and positive relationships in place. But um, it, classroom management at my school for me, before I did tab was something that I spent a lot of time and energy on. I, I felt like I could never kind of relax. I needed to kind of be on the lookout. So anyway, that's my context. So these kids walk in the room and they just sat at a table and they started making art, like every single kid. Um, one student I thought was gone, his name was, was Darius. I would had him since he was in kindergarten as a student. And he was a student that wasn't really invested in art. He was, he was a kid who followed directions. He also had a very loud voice and liked to talk. So I always would know when he was in the room. I thought he was gone because I didn't hear him. And I noticed him sitting by himself and he was folding this really intricately, beautifully made paper airplane. And I was just in awe because I had never seen him deeply engaged in artwork. So I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I make these at home all the time. And I'm just kind of in awe looking at this beautiful work he's making that I had no idea that he was, was interested in or, or could do. And I asked him, if art was like this, do you think you would have liked it more? And he said, Miss Pertee, this is better than PE. And that was, that was, <laughs> I've, I haven't gone back since. Like it was tab from the, then on out. Um, if, if, um, if, if tab could, could help me find a connection and, and spark of joy and, and, um, deep engagement with, with students and, um, and then everyone else deeply engaged and no behavior challenges that, that was it for me. I'm curious. Um, did you know that tab was tab, um, prior to like this whole situation or did you find it after? No, I had read about it before and I thought it okay. sounded like 
like it wouldn't oh, work for my student population is, is what I thought. And I was completely wrong. It was amazing and deeply engaging, I think, for any population of students. All right. So I get, yeah, okay, I understand. Because I was trying to think, I'm like, oh, if you knew about it, were you like, oh, I'll use tab as the reward. That's kind of where my mind was going, like with the choice. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, when I, when, when they voted for the, the award and, and it was like a five-way tie, I, I, I mean, I had read about it and I think part mm -hmm. of me wanted to try it, but was afraid. And, and that was, that was the motivation and the, the rest is history. Wow. So you were in elementary and now you're in high school. And I know that mm -hmm. like I transitioned from elementary in choice and then moved into, I found tab in elementary and then had to relearn everything when I moved to middle school. What did that look like for you? Ooh, well, um, I had been teaching for about seven years. My husband and I had our first child and I was thinking that I probably wanted to move to a school that had an earlier start time so we wouldn't have to do daycare. So I was, I was on the transfer list. I was looking for a job and I got this email that said art at Apex and I almost deleted it because I thought it was like mass email from the district, but it wasn't. I opened it and it was some guy named Ian Sands. He's like, hey, we want to interview you. <laughs> I've basically stalked you online <laughs> and seen that um, I think he found my my technology center online, like my, my Wix site, um, mm. and wanted to interview me. So I went and interviewed and I got the job. Um, I joined a, a four person department and, um, and he hired me because I taught tab, um, and he was interested in it. Um, and I, I mean, my, my, thought at the time was, oh, wow, if my elementary school students can do this amazing stuff, my high schoolers can make stuff that's even better. I had this plan. It was pretty open choice. I had some, some um, buffet style set, setters set up in, in my, um, I was actually teaching in a trailer at the time. And I tell the kids about this the first day and they didn't seem very interested, but one kid looks up, he looked like he was about 33. And he looked very, very kind of apathetic and in beginning art. And was like, so what do I have to do to get an A? And I thought, um, oh, this will be different. And it was, <laughs> it, it, um, that intrinsic motivation that, that kids naturally have, especially in, in um, lower elementary has been kind of, I think, educated out of some students when they reach high school and yeah. uh, figuring out how to how to, how to scaffold that, how to, how to provide support, um, for, for authentic engagement and, and having, making spaces that students can feel emotionally comfortable to take risks in, in high school and as well as develop the skills they, they need to feel like they're making work that, that they're proud mm -hmm. of, um, in comparison to their peers, um, is what I've spent the last multiple years and, and two books thinking about. Do the schools, the middle school or the elementary schools in your district or, or the feeder schools, I guess you'd call them, do they also embrace choice or do they come to you with kind of more of that project-based background? Yeah, definitely, definitely project-based. We have um, teaching a big district and reassignment with, um, and my district is growing a lot and, and student reassignment is pretty common. I think our high school has at least two, maybe three feeder schools. So 
Mm -hmm. Um, I've had students in the past who've had teachers like um, Stormy Schickman when she was teaching at the high school level, um, but not many. Most most of them are coming from from project-based or maybe haven't taken an art class for a while. Maybe they didn't take one in middle school. Um, So it's kind of all over the place. So definitely not a streamline from a choice-based elementary program to middle school to high school. So right before you got on, and I guess when you were as you were joining and logging in, Jen and I were both talking about books and writing books related tab and things like that. But you've actually done those things um, a couple times. So how how did that happen? I mean, what was the impetus that made you think like I have an idea that needs to be in the world, and I have the time <laughs> to carve out and do that? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I had the time. I think I took the time. But when I started teaching at Apex, I had never seen any type of art teacher social media at all. But Ian Sands was very connected and um, had me join Twitter, had me join the, if you guys remember the like original art teachers Facebook page that was, there, was all this lively debate um, around, around 2011, 2012. Um, that's kind of the world I walked into. And Ian and I were trying some new things that Apex were both really excited about kind of his ideas and my ideas combining. And so, and he had a, a pretty active blog, The Art of Apex. Um, they were still called blogs then. <laughs> and um, so I wrote posts and he wrote posts. We kind of took turns and I I really, I enjoy writing. I think I'm I'm able to explain my ideas in a way that relate to repeat people sometimes. Um, and so we would do that and, and share them on, on Facebook and, and Twitter. And um, I started my own um, blog after a while. Um, I think it was at NAEA 15 or 16. Um, Ian's, fr- <clears throat> Ian's friend, Fred, wow, I'm gonna take a sip of tea. <clears throat> Ian's friend, Rob, who um, worked at Davis, asked if he could could talk to us. So we met and he was like, hey, do you guys want to write a book? And we were like, yeah. So um, I started writing and got my writing out there. And then I just kind of, I was asked to write a book, which is not most people's experience with publishing. Um, but after that happened, we created an outline and, and kind of went from there and co-wrote um, both both um, the open art room and then making artists. You know, I'm glad that we have you with us. Um, we had had Clyde and Clark as well, and we're talking to them about their writing that they've done their, and their advocacy that they, they do. I'm curious, do you have any advice for teachers who do enjoy writing and they might want to share stories, but it's kind of intimidating to approach um, even if you're writing for something that's a little less informal or less mm-hmm. formal, I mean. Um, so I was just curious if you have any advice for people who might be interested to do something like that. I think there are lots of great ways you can get your your ideas out there. Um, certainly Instagram and, and threads, people have had a lot of success with. Um, School Arts is always looking for articles. I think anyone who is interested in writing should write something and submit it to School Arts or other publications. That's where I've um, published the most in School Arts Magazine. 
Uh, and then just sharing, sharing thoughts. I use stubs. I write on a sub stack right now and I really like that format. Um, I think it's a good, good format that shows you kind of who's reading what you're writing. You can, people can sign up for emails. You can kind of keep in touch with people and it's very user-friendly. Substack. Okay. We do have show notes. So if you have any suggestions like Substack um, or you mentioned school arts, I think there's actually a place where you can go in school arts where they show you the requirements for mm -hmm. like when you're writing for them. So we can absolutely put those in our show notes as well. Nice. So I um, was excited to have you on, especially because I wanted you to share a little bit about the Institute. Because okay. having been a participant, um, both virtually and in person, um, I had two different but amazing experiences both times. And I know that there's many people who seek um, professional development for TAB, and this is the primary way to find it. So I was curious for you to tell us, please, about the Institute. Sure. Um, the TAB Institute is a long-running um, professional development opportunity. So it's a week long this summer. It's from July 22nd to 27th. And it's at Massachusetts College of Art and Design, um, which is a, a, a school that was very instrumental in the development of TAB um, and has had TAB teachers as, as part of faculty. Um, it's, so it's, it's there in the heart of Boston. You can walk to MFA Boston. You can walk to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. And it's a week long on campus, staying in the dorms, uh, professional development where you're really kind of immersed in TAB, um, classroom learning with a grade level cohort um, by one of our amazing instructors who are all practicing TAB teachers and also work in the studio. Uh, Clyde, Clyde Gaw and, and this year Stacey Parrish as well set up a, a functioning tab studio where participants can come and, and make art and experience tab kind of like your students do. Um, and I'm really excited this year, in addition to grade level cohorts, uh, we, and when I say we, I'm also talking about the faculty who's amazing, but also Jenring Fusona, my, my co-director and good friend, um, we are offering a studio cohort. So, so this cohort is going to be for people who have attended the Institute before or TAB teachers with at least five years of experience. And they are going to help Clyde and Stacy set up the studio. They're going to help run the studio and all their learning is going to be focused on um, how the studio functions for students, but also focusing on, on art making for, as artists themselves. I think that's something that, that sounds really, really cool and fun as well. I think that'll be a great addition because I know I've spoken to other um, TAB teachers who have gone to the Institute multiple times or they've been involved for a while and they've always been kind of like wanting that next step. And I feel like this would be a really good next step for people in that position. Definitely. So especially when you don't get a lot of time to make art. You, I mean, I speak for myself. I should only speak for myself, but I rarely find time to joyfully mm -hmm. make art <laughs> right. with a busy family life and work life. So this is a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's really exciting. And 
I think the Institute has something for beginning teachers, people who are really interested in thinking about practice and philosophy in more of a classroom setting and also you know, experienced teachers and, and people who want to focus on their own, own art making. Mm -hmm. It's my dream to go out to uh, the TAB Institute. It's going to, it may take me a few years to get there just timing wise with some other events, but um, I was also in the virtual cohort and gained a lot. Um, it's where I met Jen for the first time. Um, awesome. So, yeah. So it's amazing. I think that I, I as I have pre-service students now, I talk to them about the importance of taking time to go yeah. to professional developments because it creates a network of support that you can't really, there's no other way to find when you're in professional developments in your district that are never geared to what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. I would say yeah. even when you're going to like state conferences, even in art education and professional developments like that, you don't always find people who are, student-centered um, and tab-focused. And so I think that that's, you know, when you find the people that are your people, you definitely should lean into be, being part of that, that community. Um, definitely. So. When I did the, um, I did a tab storytellers from the Institute, I recorded it um, solo. I very much missed Abby when I was there <laughs> doing it, but one of the things that I heard a lot of feedback was that aside from the knowledge that people were getting from being with the instructors and from the people in the room, they were really saying that the relationships that they were building outside of that time, like whether it was in the evening in the studio or after the studio hours going out and spending time together or just chatting over coffee at breakfast, like those were even more meaningful for those people because they were able to then form those relationships that then when they left, they could kind of keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I had heard a lot of as well. It's definitely a place where you can make that happen. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. You had mentioned um, social media and is there anything that you notice that comes up frequently in social media around tab that you think is important for us to talk about? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like I see lots of really amazing teachers sharing on social media, which I think is exciting. I, I think that the idea that tab can look so different in so many different places, I think is very interesting. Um, I think that tab has a really awesome social media community. I feel like tab teachers support each other. Um, I love Mighty Networks as well as uh, the, the Facebook groups and tab teachers on platforms like Instagram and, and Substack as well. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything that really stands out. I used to see kind of discussions or debates maybe a lot, especially in, in kind of just art teacher in general social media, um, which I don't really pay too much attention to anymore. It's kind of just the tab community. And I really mm -hmm. just see a lot of people doing amazing things and supporting each other. And it makes me, makes me really happy. You know, I used to um, go on Facebook more often than I do now, um, whether it's because of time or just because of the need that I used to have to have those conversations when I was first starting out. But you had mentioned um, that when you first started, 
you were like, oh, this looks ridiculous. Like, how could I possibly make this happen? Um, tab, I mean, the pedagogy mm -hmm. in your classroom. And I notice every once in a while when I go on, I'd say primarily Facebook, um, that that's usually the main question people come with that are like new to the group is like, how do I start? How do I do this thing? Because mm -hmm. um, I guess my question for you is how can teachers who find tab difficult to start, start? Like, do you have any tips or tricks um, that you can suggest? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think there are lots of, you know, lessons or, or things you can try. There are, there are, you know, lots of people have shared kind of how to get started in, in tab, you know, books like <clears throat> engaging learners through art making is, is amazing. But I think each teacher um, needs to think about why they might want to include tab and then think about what the need that they see that their students are presenting. For me, um, I think the need in my high school students is um, expression, belonging, individual voice, and then think about ways that you can start moving towards that. Certainly in secondary, um, you know, certainly midway through the year, you aren't going to just change everything, like, most likely. The ways that you can start moving, moving in that direction. So if you want to inst instill more student voice and maybe you've been doing a project where you're picking the media, you're picking a theme that has a pretty narrow, sorry. My throat scratchy today. A, a theme that has a pretty narrow interpretation. Maybe you're making choices about the size of, size of the paper. Maybe instead of one media, try two. And, and that can give kids a little bit more ownership. They get to make a choice about what they like better, what they're better at, what works more for their expression. Or maybe instead of a theme that's narrow, like Van Gogh sunflowers, maybe you can pick a theme that's a little bit more open, like nature, or mm -hmm. and kind of move move towards it that way. Just opening up a little bit, seeing how it impacts impacts instruction, seeing where you feel comfortable. And then I do think it's really a good idea to <clears throat> read read the tab philosophy, and 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 there are so many resources about about what other people have done that um and, and joining online communities can be really really supportive and reading yeah. melissa's books <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> you can read my books um, um my books are all great you know and so I, is my sub stack and it's free it's one of those things that come up you know when if people are like what do i do with tab and people are like it's like four books and like two of them are years and ends uh, every time um, like and i mean and that's the other thing i was thinking like people are on facebook like i need to do this what do it i was always like search the group, search group. We have all asked this yeah. question. There are a hundred yeah. million answers to mm -hmm. this. Learn how to search the, use the search function for the thing. But it is interesting because I, you know, some of the answers have changed over time. You know, tab has mm -hmm. some of the ways that people have interpreted how tab can be implemented or to what level it's tab and what it's, when it's not has changed. Um, and I think it's in a good space right now. Really. I do too. I'm really pleased with the way the tab community is being really supportive. Is there mm -hmm. anything else that you think that tab educators might want or need to know before we sign off tonight? I think tab educators should all know that that they are awesome and they're deeply student centered and they're they're doing work that's changing our education. 
Yeah, they are. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for people listening, if you're interested in finding out more, then you're welcome after this tabcast to navigate to teachingforartisticbehavior.org. Um, there's a little blue button up in the right-hand corner that says join our community. And from there, it'll take you to Mighty Networks. It's a free online platform where you can join conversations, very similar to Facebook, but rather than being bombarded with, you know, cute puppies and, you know, all kinds of memes and things, you can just kind of focus on what's really important. And so there's people sharing resources, knowledge, their tips and tricks, some of which we talked about tonight. So, uh, yeah, please join us there. And Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. I know how hectic it can be to be doing so many different things and having families and commitments. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah.